Welcome to The Truth of the Matter Is. This is podcast episode number 25. I am your host, Daniel, and I am here with Jonathan. Let's first start off by recognizing and appreciating all of our consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. We want to also give a warm welcome to all of our new listeners. Whether you only listen to just one episode or many more after that, we thank you for giving us a chance and we appreciate your time. So, Jonathan, what's on your mind for today? Well, first I want to say to you, Happy Thanksgiving. I want to say Happy Thanksgiving to all all of our current listeners and all of the listeners that have decided to give us a listen today. Now, on a much more serious note, I just want to share a story that happened to me this morning. I was on my way to meet a friend, Eric, for breakfast this morning. He flew in to be with his family for Thanksgiving. And as I was on the way, I was on the Belt Parkway. And while I was on the Belt Parkway, I was going, you know, the speed limit. And as I looked over the highway, I noticed that there was a SUV, Nissan Maximum, in front of me that actually started coming at an angle. And as it approached in front of me, I noticed that the right side of the car in the front, the axle, the board joint, collapsed. And the strut shot up in the air and it aimed at me. And I was able to dodge it and get out the way. And the car just collapsed right in the middle of the street or in the middle of the highway. And, you know, I just kept saying to myself, you know, as I was listening to music, I was like, wow, 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 wow. It was extremely shocking. And I was able to pull over and get out of my car to see what would happen. And I really appreciated the kindness and courtesy because it wasn't just me that did that. It was a few other drivers as well. I don't believe I saw a single car continue to press forward and when I got to the car everything on the right side was broken destroyed and unfortunately it seemed a lot worse than it was but the good thing is you know by God's grace and mercy the passenger in the front and the passenger in the back they were all okay And it was an elderly woman and an elderly man, you know, in their late 60s, might have been 50s. And it was a very traumatic situation because even when I spoke to the woman in the front, she couldn't stop shaking. She kept saying, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. And, you know, I was just very happy to see that all of us that were on the road had enough kindness and courtesy to check out to see what was going on. And I'm just glad they made it without a scratch. And 
I'm also happy that I didn't get hit and my car wasn't a part of the accident. But, you know, it was just good to see that all of us had a care in the world. And, you know, for, for a day like today, Thanksgiving, you know, we're all traveling to go see family. We're all traveling to go have a good time or finish up some of our shopping. And seeing that moment, the way that it happened, at the speed that it happened, you know, there's no way of technically preparing for that, you know. It just happens out of nowhere. So, you know, I'm just thankful that I was okay. I'm thankful that they were okay. And I am thankful that I was able to still meet my friend for breakfast. And I'm back here to report, record, you know, episode number 25. Because it was definitely a traumatic situation. I, to a certain extent, was kind of fearful getting back on the parkway. You know, that's kind of why I'm always very, you know, attentive to make sure that my car is always in mid condition. Everything on the car is tight new parts if I hear any noise I take it to the mechanic because you never know when you're going 50 60 70 40 miles per hour what can happen and at the speed you're going you're not anticipating that stuff can collapse and things could break down so that was my experience this morning as I went to meet somebody you know so well uh any comments that goes to yeah goes to show that uh you know, we had a conversation last night between myself, you, and my our oldest brother, and we talked about whether or not people are really good in terms of when things happen. And you know, Adrian was saying that you know most people in New York, you know, they'll just press forward. And, you know, it was it was a little bit of a joke. Like, you know, New Yorkers are always on the move. But I did mention that I believe a lot of people are good at heart, you know. And if there is some type of accident or something that occurs, the majority of people would stop to make sure that everything is okay. Uh-huh. And at least, you know, get us back to a point where we can press forward. So I think that's... Ironic that something like that occurred this morning after a conversation like that last night. Yeah, kind of reassures you that in tragic situations and moments is an opportunity for us to grow closer together as a nation, as a people. And regardless of the color of your skin, the belief that you have in any God, the most important thing that I think that's universally recognized is the love that we should have for one another in spite of our differences, you know, so. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, the feeling of Thanksgiving as it has now approached, you know, had me starting to think about, you know, how, you know, Thanksgiving is a feel-good holiday, you know. It's an opportunity for us to gather and enjoy one another's company have discussions about, you know, politics, even though they say you shouldn't be talking about politics and religion together, you know, but it's an opinion, right? But it's an opportunity to really catch up, you know, have discussions about anything, laugh, enjoy amazing food that's made by our mom or made by your dad, you know, whoever is the cook in the home or your grandma, your grandpa, 
and it's amazing, right? Or if you go out to eat, that's perfectly yeah. fine as well. Yeah, I've seen that go down as well. There are some amazing restaurants that do a great job. And from what I understand, Popeye's does an amazing fried turkey as well. That might be something we should look forward to in the future, maybe go there and request it. But, you know, I started realizing, you know, are we thankful for one another all the time, right? I understand that this is a time for us to gather as a family for the sake of the holiday, but maybe, you know, people should incorporate their desires to spend time with one another more frequently because, you know, that's what family's supposed to do, right? And maybe, you know, we should pick the phone up and say, hey, hello, how you doing? How's everything? You know, are you okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? You know, I'm here if you need anything. You know, really ask questions to see what we can do to help one another out. And if they are open to it, you know, do favors and listen to what's going on. You know, some people feel the need to vent and express what's been going on and just lending your ear to hear what they have to say does so much for a person, right? Because some people don't feel heard. They don't feel acknowledged. And they don't feel appreciated or loved. And I think as a family, that's one of the most important things that we should strive to do. Because, you know, people need that sort of recognition, that love, that appreciation, you know. And it doesn't have to come from outside sources. The most important place that it should come from is with your own family, you know. So when we gather and we spend time with one another, you know. I suggest that we reach out more often, not when someone passes away, not when, you know, someone's not in mid condition in terms of their health, but, you know, they're attached to a machine or they're going through cancer. Let's be able to have discussions in a way where we've talked before prior to something like that, right? We have more memories than recent recalls one another that's on the positive side not the negative side you know so i strive everyone out there to reach out to your family say what's up to them say hello because we don't know if that'll be the last time we see them we have no idea as we live this thing called life how short our lifespans may be any of us can go at any moment anytime so it's important that we treat one another with kindness generosity give them grace and mercy and make sure all conversations are seasoned with positivity and love because we all need that. So that's just something I wanted to share, and I hope that we start to do that much more. You know, the, a situation like today made me realize how important family is. Not that it wasn't already important, but how important is the last thing you say to somebody should be encouraging not depleting because we don't know how that person may feel about it and walk away from it any thoughts you want to add daniel yeah sometimes it's also just important for people to know that you're thinking about them you know it doesn't have to be anything tragic or it doesn't have to be um anything happy but you know knowing that uh you took the time to reach out to somebody and just let them know you're thinking about them or just to check in with them, make sure they're all right. That can do wonders for somebody. So, you know, 
always try to keep in contact, even if it's just a good morning or, you know, a general greeting. Those things mean a lot to people. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, on that note, let's uh, get started with the discussion today. And how about we get started with some prayer? Everyone bow that, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we give honor and glory to your name because we know your name is above all names. We glorify your name because you have given each and every one of us life with just our breath of fresh air. We say glory to your name because you have died for each and every one of us so that we can be free and live a life full of abundance where we can all communicate and check on one another. Glory to your name because you have given us a free invitation to come and talk to you anytime, any day of the week, any hour. We thank you and we give you all the glory and honor and all the praise because through you, we are able to experience this life to the fullest and experience each other to the fullest. So we are thankful for you and we are thankful for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the life of a believer. And the reason why I felt like this is a topic that we should discuss is because as we go and make an attempt to maneuver in life, there are so many things that happen, positive and negatively. But the most important thing that we have to consider and continue to move forward with is remembering that as a believer, there's an expectation that is asked of us to be holy as God is holy, to operate in truth, to set an example, to press forward with the right mindset so that people who see the way that we move and operate can not only just imitate it, but also appreciate it and get with the program. Right when they see somebody doing what's right, that allows them to also move and do what is right. Right, monkey see, monkey do. Sometimes, and I think that the more we have a supporting cast, right? In the Book of Romans, it said that we should be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Is the minute we potentially step out of line, having a accountability partner is essential and important because. It keeps you on track. It helps you press forward. It reminds you not to slack. And as long as we are in, you know, as long as we are motivating and encouraging one another, I think that goes a long way. So, just to let you know, today is going to be quite a few scriptures. But the point of that is to show you where we're getting this information from. Context matters and it's important and essential and it's foundational. So, To begin this, remember, if you need to take note of these things, I suggest that you do. Or you can always revisit and listen to any of the episodes that we post up as reminders, okay? So, take these things, write them down, study and apply it. So, let's begin with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. And we're going to look at it in the NIV version. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed 
and nothing concealed that would not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, considered carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. So interesting two verses. So let's analyze this for a second. Verse 16 and 17 speak about the value of what light is. Obviously, light kind of shines in a essence of darkness, right? What light does is it provides an opportunity to see, right? Jesus is using the example of a lamp. This is an item that provides light. When we take a look at the Gospel of Matthew, so we're going to cross-reference here a bit, there's a much more clearer explanation of Luke 8, 16, 17. Just a slight difference. So let's take a look at Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, and this also is going to be looked at in the NIV version. Daniel? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a st- on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as we can see, similar verse, just a bit more of a ex- better or more expound upon explanation. Now let's look at the book of Luke, the Gospel, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to go a verse later, verse 17. It says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Interesting because when we define disclose, it means to reveal or uncover, to call, to appear, allow to be seen, to lay open, to view. When we look up the word concealed, it's to be kept a secret. Basically, this verse means anytime you hide it, it will make its way to the open. Talking about things that you don't want people to know. Eventually, it will make its way to the open. Anything you keep a secret, it will be told and brought to the forefront. Some things, Something about secrets is not everybody can maintain the promises of secrets that are told, which is why you can't expect it to remain between you and somebody else that requires trust, and that's not always something that's given, right? When you're dealing with truth, the reality is it will always make its way to shine as bright as light. Being on the side of God demands truth because truth is God's very essence, his nature. That's why we learn that God is light, right? And in him is no darkness at all. In God, there is nothing evil or sinful or darkness at all, right? In the book of Psalms, chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell within you. So we can conclude that God is pure. He's light. Is pure and goodness. And to me, that's as good as it gets. That is why it's required for us to be holy as he is holy. To mark in lockstep with him, right? To walk in lockstep with him is essential. 
because if we're going to claim to be in relationship with him, we have to do the very things that allows us to coexist with one another. What we can learn from Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16, and Luke 8, 16, is as believers, we are lights in this dark world. How do I know that? Well, let's take a trip down memory lane here, and let's look at two more supportive texts in the discussions we had about 1 John. So in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. When we go to chapter 2 of 1 John, right, and we start at verse 7, ending in 11, it says, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you had had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So clearly we see the distinction between light and darkness. And when it comes to being in relationship with God, we are children of light. Right? Not children of the night, but the children of the day as well. So another supportive text that points that out is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. It says, you are the children of the light and the children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. That's also mentioned. Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 13, and it states, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Right? So the life of a believer entails that we must be associated with the light. Also, we learn in Matthew 5, verse 15 through 16, that we must let our light shine before others so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So for those who remember, we did an episode number three of The Truth of the Matters, and we talked about how you carry yourself matters, right? The things you do matters. The reality is that it does, okay? So I encourage those people who haven't seen it, you know, just to check it out and see what it has to say, what we talked about, right? How you carry yourself matters. How you operate matters. So. Let's go back to Luke and let's look at 
chapter 8 verse 18 and I wanted to isolate this verse and give you an example of how you can dig deeper and have a search for clarity in some things right so Dan would you mind reading Luke 8 verse 18 in the NIV version therefore consider carefully how you listen whoever has will be given more whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now, let's look at the same verse, but let's look at it in the Amplified version. What does it say, Daniel? So, be careful how you listen. Whoever has a teachable heart, to him slash her, more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for the truth, even what he slash she says will be taken away from him. So. I've included she, right? Because in the Bible, it was written in a him or a him or his perspective. And I wanted to be a bit more transparent. So be careful. You're not going to find her in the text. You'll find him in the text, right? So I wanted to highlight that sometimes a different translation does a better job of bringing out a better meaning for your ability to comprehend what's being said in the text. You know, we had the New King James Version. We have the Amplified version, we have the English Standard version, we have the NIV version. There's so many different versions out there. And I encourage you to play around with it, right? See how certain translations bring out the better understanding of the text for your ability to learn. And also, it's important because when you're sharing things with the masses, right? You want clarity. You want legit understanding, not confusion, right? God is not the author of confusion, no, and nor should you right we should be ordering our lockstep to do the best that we can to communicate the message and make those situations much more easier right so keep in mind that the life of a believer is challenging and you know i just like and appreciate the amplified version because it's put in this way right whoever has a teachable heart right teachable heart that's a very important thing to him or her more understanding will be given. See that? When you're teachable, you're longing for understanding. Whoever does not have a longing for truth. See that? Who does not have a longing for truth. Right? Much will be taken away from them. Why would it be taken away? You don't have a teachable heart. You don't have a desire to seek understanding. And therefore, you can't move along with a good grasp of information and therefore being able to articulate it and share it with other people. So I want us to have an understanding that breaking down verses are essential. Being a believer allows you to look at the text with a new set of eyes and have a more in-depth understanding about things. Now, when I looked at this text in the Amplified Version, the first thing that came to mind was 1 Corinthians 8.2, which says, Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Let me repeat that. Mm. 1 Corinthians 8.2, which says, Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Right? Which means as a believer or a non-believer, right? This goes for non-believers as well. We shouldn't stop wanting to learn, but instead we should welcome it and embrace it. Learning is something that's part of life, right? If anyone believes that they arrived, there's something wrong. 
you should move away from them as quickly as possible, right? Just remember this though. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So have a desire to learn. Just don't let it grow beyond your desire to love. Helping others out is much more important, right? Giving people grace and mercy is essential and necessary because guess what? Christ, Christ gave you grace. And if Christ gave you grace, you're expected to do the same thing as well. Now let's look at the book of, the book of Luke, chapter 8. And let's go to verse 19 through 21, Daniel. Now Jesus, mothers and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you, he replied. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Interesting approach and yet brilliantly executed, right? Jesus uses the knowledge of his mother and brother in regards to them looking for him and breaks the concept down of family and means of not just blood bonds. But what he does is he unites us with the understanding that we all seek and apply obedience to God and our faith in him, right? It's through God's spirit under that one humanity that we're all linked together. I know we like to place things in category, but in the kingdom of God, there is no category. There is no separation. We are now all citizens with God, people and also members of his household. And to me, I find that to be astonishing and amazing. And I appreciate that. That is what makes being a believer such a beautiful thing. No matter the color of someone's skin, their age, right? Their gender. We are all one and the same in the body of Christ. We were created in his image and we all deserve dignity and respect. Now to support whatever I've been saying, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 through 22. Daniel? For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Excellent. Now let's look at the gospel of Luke chapter 5, verse 57 through 62. And here's an interesting text that speaks about the cause of a believer and following Christ. Daniel. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still, another said, I will follow you, Lord, but 
first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So being a follower of Christ, a believer requires that you make God your first priority. Right? If you're going to be a follower of Christ, being a believer means that you have to make God your first priority over your family, your friends, your husband and wife, if you have. And, you know, it says in the scripture, right? Matthew 10 verse 13, it says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, I know what many or some might be thinking. How could Jesus say such a thing, right? No, it's consistent with scripture. He is a supportive text to that, right? When you consider this verse of scripture, there are three words that stand out. Those words are more than me. When you understand those words, this verse can come into focus quickly. This concept starts in the Old Testament with the first of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other God before me. Book of Exodus 20, verse 3. God established a principle. He must be first. He must be first. He must be first. Your love for him must be first. Don't love anyone more than him. Don't put anything before him. I must always be your first love. For anyone to put anything or anyone, right? Before God, it's considered idolatry. All Jesus was doing is simply confirming what God has said before. Judge runs a bit more deeper. When we see how the Old Testament and the Gospel text in Matthew lines up with one another, we see how the law of the new standard Jesus mentions informs us to a completely whole nother level. So again, sometimes I may mention this before. You read scripture and it comes off as a contradiction. But I encourage you to realize that the text is more along the lines of making you feel like you have to do a bit more research, right? Because by doing a bit more research, you'll realize that there's an answer there. You might not have discovered it yet, but it's there. And you can't forget that, okay? Keep those things in mind when you read something and it's not clear. For the first time, right? You have to remember that there's a reason why it's there in the first place. Which leads me to believe one of the things that I shared is that when you read a text, sometimes they come off as paradoxes, right? And paradoxes are seemingly absurd conclusions that you first come to, but you don't realize that if you dig deeper, and you search more, that seemingly absurd viewpoint might change because there's a more underlining perspective that you haven't discovered yet. And you have to leave the door open for that. This now leads us to conclude. And we conclude by going into the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? In the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. Now, obviously, there's a lot to take out of this particular story but we're using this text to support what it means to be a believer and you're going to get a completely different perspective here so daniel take it away 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Leviate, or a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out not one, but two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Yeah, so what we can learn from this text is having perspective from a lens that isn't broken but clean is extremely important. I say this because your prejudice, the outside noise, will affect the way you see a biblical text like this. As believers, we must show the ability to discern correctly and confidently. What you also see here is in spite of them not being in the same tribe or being related. It's the heart of the Sumerian that Jesus is pointing to. The desire to assist one of that needs help. It's sort of the same way of what I did today and a lot of the drivers on the road did today. That as believers, you know, it's important that if we see a brother and sister in need, and this is also in First John, how can you say the love of God is in you, but you do not go and check out a person and see how they're doing? How do you press forward and ignore the assistance that is needed? I encourage you all to check out episode four, How to Experience God's Love. And in there, we break down and talk about not just the definition of love, which is found in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe it's verses 4 through 8, but it's the personal stories that we can look towards as encouragement.
and motivation. No one's saying that you have to do a lot, but if we all did a little bit, no one would have to do too much. And that's what I want people to understand. As believers, we carry an expectation, a standard, and that standard is Jesus made it clear in the Gospels when he was cleaning each other's feet. He says, people will know you are my disciples based upon how you treat one another. Love is the most important thing that we must have. And that's the most important thing that allows people to see, right? Because again, 1 John says, no one who has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love lives in us and we will make complete based upon how we love one another. That's what we have. That's what's essential. Very good. I feel that. Yeah, so the final verdict, I would say, that sums up all the verses we went over today and even the experience I had today is this. The life of a believer requires us to be lights in a world that's full of darkness. As believers, we must let our light shine before others so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. As ambassadors for Christ, we must represent the truth. And with that, sometimes comes confrontation, right? As believers, we must have a teachable heart. And with that, we become much more understanding, right? In the book of Proverbs, it informs us that we should not lean on our own understanding, but allow God, our Lord, to make our path straight. As believers, we should always be ready to give an account for the hope that we have. But remember to do it gently and with respect. And finally, Make sure that God is first in your life. He is the only God, and he deserves all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And remember, right, the God you serve is a big God. He is capable of doing all things exceedingly and abundantly beyond whatever you think or imagine. And you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons so before we do devotion that's usually what we normally do at this point in time but because of the sake of thanksgiving i think me and daniel and i encourage all of you in your personal time or maybe maybe at the dinner table maybe you already do this but i encourage you to say you know what are you thankful for what are you appreciative of right what has God done for you that you know was God 100% sure, right? So, before we do devotion, me and Daniel will take one minute out and share what we are thankful for. And we hope that you do the same. I'll go first. So, I am thankful for you, Daniel. I appreciate your presence, your ability, your knowledge, your insight. I want to be able to do this podcast if it wasn't I am thankful for Jennifer, my friend. We have known each other for quite some time. She has played a significant role in being a supporting cast. I'm thankful for people like Jeremiah, who's worked with me side by side on the same job, communicating, talking endlessly about life, about situations, and we've been on an ear where we can vent to one another. I'm supportive of Eric, who I had lunch 
breakfast with this morning, excuse me, you know, we've done Bible study countless times. We've had numerous conversations about God, and we've been mutually encouraged by one another's faith. I am, I am thankful for Nayama, who I've spoken to countless times, and also Sasha, who I've spoken to countless times. You know, I'm thankful for my car. I know that my car has been through a lot. It's kept me on the road, and it's got me from point A to point B. And finally, I'm thankful for my family, each and every one of us. I know sometimes we fuss and fight, but we love one another. We've been there for one another, and that's what family. And more importantly, I thank you for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know I haven't been the perfect Christian when I first came in, and I haven't been the best Christian day to day. I, too, make mistakes as well. But I know that I can repent and turn away and do better. But I also know that God is extremely supportive of me. He loves me in spite of my mistakes. And as long as he is number one in my life, I can't go wrong. And I can strive to be holy as he is holy. So if I have to follow up, but this isn't about outdoing people. When you're thankful... I feel that um, the main thing to do is always to just be honest because a lot of times when people get in situations like this, they feel that there's some type of one-upmanship, but it's like, to be honest, I'm a very simple person. I'm really thankful, especially for God showing me that it's important to stay focused and to stay disciplined and to stay on the path of improvement and getting to know him better and understanding myself better and being merciful. I'm really thankful for that. Because God knows I have not always, I don't always make good decisions. But uh, through his mercy, it allows me to continue to pursue my purpose. So I'm really thankful for God's mercy. Thankful, of course, to my brother, Jonathan, and my oldest brother, Adrian, my youngest brother, Jordan, um, my family, of course. Um, I'm really thankful for our cat that just passed away recently. She, you know, can learn a lot from watching how the things that God created through nature moves. So I'm extremely thankful for her life and her warmth and kindness and <laughs> even the rowdiness and you know a little mean streak that she has shown over the time and <laughs> yeah. you know I will <laughs> yeah <laughs> I learned a lot from, from Princess I really have learned a lot um and of course I'm thankful for all of our listeners and people who tune into this podcast and are kind enough to share feedback with us and listen to us every week um, we truly do appreciate your support and the love and kindness that you have shown us and that uh that just about sums things up yeah. so i'm gonna go ahead and uh i don't think you wanted to say something no 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 i think uh i've said enough okay so uh let's go ahead and get into the devotion then This one is going to be titled, Entering into God's Presence. In the Old Testament, 
times, the temple in Jerusalem was the place where God sometimes manifested himself as the Shekiah glory. Thus, when people entered the temple, they went with an attitude of reverence, offering thanks to God. Likewise today, your worship of God brings you into his presence. In Psalms chapter 95 verse 2 out of the King James Version, it says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. As a Christian, remember that you're entering into the very throne room of God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, also the King James Version. And the word that I think that's most important to highlight here is boldly, because you should not be ashamed of giving grace, of being kind, of showing appreciation. Those things are things you should do proudly and things you should do um, with great pride. You have an audience with your father and he is attentive to your prayers. But have you ever prayed in like faith that you were talking to God? You weren't quite sure that he was listening? The problem may have been that you failed to enter his presence before you began praying. Before you begin asking God for things, make sure you entered into his presence. And one of the best ways to do that is with a thankful heart and praise. And of course, having a teachable heart. Dear Father, I pray to you today and I thank you that you hear me when I pray. I thank you for all your goodness to me day after day. I am thankful for your mercy, and I thank you that you're powerful enough to answer my prayers. Throughout the week, allow me to share the mercy and gratefulness that I have with you, and show that through thanksgiving and praise of others. In your holy name we pray, and in Jesus' name we say, Amen. Amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. Be thankful for one another, and remember, keep the faith.